Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Okay, so the word is that Bruce Arians, for now, has taken down the ping pong table and the mini basketball hoop in the Bucks locker room. Hey, good for BA, a bunch of you say. How can they focus on football, you say? Is this what's been wrong with the Bucks all this time? Ping pong and basketball? We're going to get into this debate. I'm going to win it handily with a paddle tied behind my back. The Rays were rained out in Baltimore on Sunday. They salvaged a split with the Orioles. They had a pretty good road trip at 5-3. and three. But Blake Snell says that he's figured some things out, and was he tipping his pitches? We've discussed that. We'll discuss that again tonight based on some comments Blake made. Hey, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you do both at the Kentucky Derby. We'll have the fallout from the historic and controversial run for the roses. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Verstick. Hey, if you'd like to be a sponsor to this podcast, we have lots of new ways you can do that. Our advertisers are showing great success, and you will too. Now the podcast is really growing fast, so get your sponsorship in now. For information, here's what you do. Contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Hey, we'd love to have you be part of our team. What a strange weekend for the Tampa Bay Rays and an odd road trip. You realize they got rained out in every city. <laughs> it was just, I mean, this was a trip for rain, man. First in Boston. So do you uh, hate Tropicana the, Field now? <laughs> no. I've never hated Tropicana Field. You know, I know people, people like seem to make it into the worst building ever, ever created for any sport. But the reality is, and this is true, if, especially if you play in Florida, but you know that they're going to play. I mean, that's the bottom line. Like, they're always going to play. It can be sunny. It can be hot. It can be rainy. It can be, you know, tornado warnings. It doesn't matter. They got the damn roof over the thing, and at least you're going to get the game in. Boy, that is not that is not the, the case everywhere they went this, uh, this past road trip. Uh, of course, it got rained out uh, one each in Boston, Kansas City, and Baltimore. Can I just say, I've been up to Baltimore now a couple times. Once I covered the Rays, Mark Tompkin uh, was away, had to be away for a while. Uh, and did a road trip up there years ago with Joe Madden. And then I, I went up there to watch with my son and, you know, went to Washington, D.C., kind of hung out, watched the four-game series against the Orioles. It rains every time that you that the Rays play in Baltimore. And I don't know if it's just the Rays. It just me. Maybe it just rains a lot in Baltimore. I don't know. But I swear to you, like, every game you're going to see storm clouds at some point. And it's, it could be right before the game, right after the game, but during the game. But there is going to be rain near Camden Yards when the Royals are playing. I can't explain it. Yeah, this road trip is bizarre. They already made one doubleheader up, but that means at least two more doubleheaders later this season. You just don't like that. It taxes your team. It taxes your, your pitching. It's like playing you know a 16-inning game. It's bad. It's bad for everybody. Yeah, baseball is such a rhythm sport, right? And you want to know when, you're, you know, when your pitching set up, when, who's starting when. Um, and, and if you move the calendar on, the whole rotation, it kind of stinks. Uh, that's part of it. And just also, you know, I i mean, as a player, you know, there's nothing worse than waiting around to play because you get yourself in sort of a game mode. And then if you think you're going to go and then, then the showers open up and they put the tarp back on, like the, it's very difficult to stay focused and, and sort of up in the bit. Now, that sounds like an excuse, and these guys are professionals, and I get all that. Um, but it, it really is just that kind of a deal where – there's nothing worse than sitting around not knowing if you're going to play. Fortunately, at least on Sunday, they banged it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they thought they were going to try to play in bad weather and, and avoid it. But the, the Rays got to go back, so now it's uh, going to be a matter of a doubleheader back on uh, later in July 13th when they're up there. It'll be a day-night doubleheader then to try to make this one up. So that's, that's going to be tough enough as it is. Uh, Boston, they're right now to schedule this part of a split doubleheader on June 8th, so they still have games 
at Boston, obviously, since they uh, really have only played them twice. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a weird trip. And you know what made it weirder is just the, the pitching kind of went, went awry a little bit and the bats went a little quiet, which I guess you could expect the, the latter of that to happen probably. What we haven't expected, though, was since Blake Snell dropped whatever mountain he dropped on his toe and broke it, uh, even though he said he felt good in his last outing, he you know until he until the picture changes, that's sort of the line of demarcation. He was dominant up until that point, and since then he has not been. And even though he says you know he's pain free, he feels good on the mound, all that, the fact of the matter is he you know he's zero and two since that happened, and you know since since coming off the that ten day list. 0-2 with a 12.79 ERA, allowing 11 hits and five walks and six in the third. Yeah, and he said so, he said his first game back he wasn't 100% comfortable. Right, right. But, but the second game he said he was, and that's the one he got hit up for seven runs in Kansas City, and and you kind of had your you were kind of scratching your head that they were on every pitch. Right. It looked like they knew what was coming. It did, and and you mentioned it early uh, earlier last week, I think it was. And yeah, it it just it, it did seem that way. And the interesting thing is that in in talking to Mark Tompkins, sort of about you know how he felt and what went wrong and, and all that stuff, um, he said that I saw some stuff. This is, this is Blake Snell talking. I saw some stuff that I need to clean up that I'd like to keep to myself. Hmm. Through this week, I felt very confident, very comfortable with how I've been throwing the ball. I felt really good against the Royals and Wednesday's loss, blah, blah, blah. Um, just happy with how I feel, happy with what I corrected, happy to attack Arizona next. I'm really looking forward to it. I feel good, so I'm excited to get back out there. What things do you suppose that he may want to keep to himself? I mean, this plays right into your theory, and I don't disagree. It's just really hard to believe if you look at, and, and apparently Neil Solon's mentioned this, Mm-hmm. After the game, I didn't get to hear his post game, but he mentioned this after the game as well that, you know, when you have two strike counts on major league hitters and you, you can throw a 97 mile an hour fastball and you throw a chase pitch outside the zone that's close enough to not take for a strike and they spit on it, or even worse, you, you know, you throw something besides a fastball with two strikes and they're like sitting on it. That's just that that might happen once. You might, you know, some some guy might get lucky once or twice, but the way Kansas City was swinging the bats on him, it really made you think that maybe they picked something up. And I mean, based on Blake's answer, that that's very plausible that that's exactly what he's talking about. Well, and even better, it looks like he may have figured it out. And he saw what he was doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see now if he goes out there and and has similar stuff um, different ball club, obviously, in Arizona, much better ball club. But if he goes out there and dominates again, then you have to consider that, well, you know what, maybe he made the correction and not he, he's not tipping pitches. But I, I would think that that's a really, really strong theory that you and Neil and others have probably had. And I'm surprised there have been more talk about it. But, um, you know, that how else do you explain? I mean, that if the toe wasn't bothering him and, and he has insisted, and they, the people that study this stuff, uh, and I'm sure they get the videotape to say that the delivery has not been altered. You know, that would be the big fear that somehow you're compensating for that landing spot and, you know, maybe not putting as much pressure. And so therefore, you know, the whole the whole sort of wind up and release and the shoulder and the elbow and everything kind of overcompensates and you end up with arm trouble or something. But they have said they've been very careful to watch him and don't see anything different in the delivery and he says that he's pain-free, at least to the extent that he thinks he can still pitch, says he feels good. So there must be something that's not quite right. And and until he starts winning again, everybody's going to point to the fact that, you know, he had this incident. But uh, I think it's bigger than that. I mean, I, I think it's very unusual for what happened to him in Kansas City that night. Now, maybe Kansas City was just, you know, came out swinging the bats and they were they were on it. But I, I don't think you'd have that many two strike that much two strike success against him. That's that's pretty rare. Yeah, especially you know a pitcher like Blake who's got the, you've talked about all four pitches can work. Oh yeah, with two strikes you sit on a fastball. You have to. You have you have to, or you're done. Yeah, you you really can't look for breaking balls in that situation, and that's what I mean by you know they spit on so many two strike uh, sliders and pitches that were close to the strike zone and were deep and you, you there's just very unlikely you could just freeze up like that and, and 
wait for a better pitch, but it was. It was almost as if uh, almost as if they knew they were coming. But there were some. I thought there were some pretty good uh, pitching performances in that in those you know this road trip. Uh, you mentioned uh, the other day. You know they lost three to nothing because they thought. And again, the rain affecting sort of what they planned on doing. They were going to use an opener the other day, and instead, because the forecast, they're not sure. And they thought they could get an hour and a half in, two hours before yeah. the rains came. Right, and save save their bullpen a little bit, not use the opener, and so they just went with Yanni Chirinos. Who, you know what? You give up three runs through six or seven innings, that's good enough to win in the majors. He went seven and a third and was close to getting the first complete game in 484 games or something for the Rays. Yeah, exactly. Had and he so, got two more outs? Right. So, I, I mean, he did he did his job, but the Rays, um, you know, just had no offense at all, and they had sort of a weird base running play and some things that took them out of innings. But, they you know, they wound up losing that game through nothing. So – Pretty well, you know, some some pretty well pitched games overall, and of course, how about Tyler Glass now? Ooh. Let's spend a minute talking about this cat. AL pitcher of the month, then he comes out and put it puts on his best performance yet. After that, dominant. I mean, and again, okay, so he's not facing the twenty seven Yankees, and that's a good thing because if he did, they'd all be standing up there and they'd be dead and they'd be skeletons. It'd be very awful. But <laughs> the point is, is that the guy uh, is 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 attacking. Like I've. Look, it's weird to see – or well, not weird, but it's unusual to see a young pitcher with so much confidence the way he's throwing right now. I mean, he literally – I mean, when you get up there, and, and, and I can see it in these guys' eyes, you get up against Tyler Glass now right now, it's, it's not a question of if you're going to make an out. It's how fast this at-bat is going to be. He's not even giving him more than three pitches. I mean, it's good morning, good afternoon, good night. You know, I mean, these guys – you're 0-2 before you dig in the box, before you wipe off the chalk line. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, wait, what? What? Hey, wait, what? It's 0-2. Like, I haven't seen a pitch yet. You know? No, it's 0-2. And that's sort of how he's attacking guys. Comes out there, 98-mile-an-hour fastball, 97, 98, um, gets ahead of every hitter, and then it's like, oh, yeah, good luck. By the way, he's got a wipeout slider, wipeout curve, um, occasional changeup that runs in. I mean, he's unhittable right now, and he's just got so much confidence that he's pouring the strikes at them. You know what I mean? Like you look up, and the guy's having – he's having nine pitch innings, you know, and striking out two of the three batters. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. Um, there were some guys that I, I really believe that knew they were out before they got in the box. They could have gotten in the other box and switched hit, even though they don't switch hit, and it had about the same result. I mean, they were, they were so overmatched in that game, and he was so dominant – and this isn't a fluke. Now, now, obviously, we remember what spring training was like, right? And disproving that spring training is absolutely worthless because this guy was just the opposite. He was racked in spring training. He didn't have, you know, mm -hmm. uh, very good stuff at all. He was experimenting with a pause in his delivery or whatever. I don't know whose well, great idea that was. That's but. the whole thing is that in spring training, he was working on things. Exactly. And while the exactly. results weren't there they could see the progress in, in what he was working on. And that's why no one was worried about him as far as on the team. There may have been I don't some fans think, yeah. that were, but. Yeah, but his stuff will, as they say, trust your stuff. And that's what Mark Tompkin wrote in the Tampa Bay Times about how, you know, he learned to trust his stuff. Um, his stuff will play. He is a, uh, I don't know if you saw this shot. It was, uh, there was, and I, I saw it in real time. There was a ball, I think maybe the first hit that dropped in or some ball was hit to center field, something like that. He turns around. And he's got his legs like kind of like spread way way open, like he's kind of almost in a semi crouch. I mean, he's almost like spider. Like this guy is long and rangy, and has these, uh, you know, this this these giant legs. And it's just it's a weird picture, but it just shows how like sort of he's almost like elastic man. He's just like so long and so tall that well, he's the ball. Six, eight. I mean, he is tall. Well, he, he is tall, but I mean, the ball by the by the time he lets that thing go. Like it's on you, you know what I mean? Like he has, he has this, this just sort of rangy, uh, you know. You've got arms and elbows and knees and and uh, you know the leg kick and everything coming at the plate at once, and you know that ball's on those guys. I mean, ninety eight's hard anyway, right? But it just seems even faster when he's out there throwing it. But man, is you talk about the potential of an absolute steal? I mean, the Pirates had put this guy in the bullpen, um, kind of given up on him a little bit. And now he's rejuvenated, and he's he's the Cy Young Award favorite at this point. I mean, he's six and zero 
ERA's off the chain low. One four seven. Yeah, shows shows no signs of slowing down. I mean, you know, he's he's what a quarter of the way to you know a Cy Young award. Actually, the, the thing mean, that may keep him from the Cy Young, assuming he stays healthy, is they're right. going to limit his innings. That's true. Is, that I mean, he true. pitched 112 innings last year. They don't usually like to go up more than 20, 30 percent from year to year as far as number of pitches. Right. So, you know, they're gonna they're gonna you know give him some extra off days and some extra rest between starts, like they're doing with Charlie Morton now. They're gonna give him an extra day off between starts because he's gone two straight um, outings with over 100 pitches. So they're gonna pitch another opener in between. Right. But Glass, now they may limit his starts and, and rest him some and give him some extra times or pull him from games early to save him for later in the season as well. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I understand that. You know, you got to build these guys up. You can't just expect them to go mm-hmm. out there and, you know, and throw 225 innings uh, in their first. But I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, like, this guy not only has the potential, but he's actually doing it, right? Like, they could have a one and two – that's that's going as well as anybody. If Snell gets back on the horse the way he was throwing, you know, before breaking his toe, uh, um, you know, he he was the most dominant left-hander going. And you add him and Glass down, now you got instead of one and two, you got kind of one A and one B, right? And I that's mean, this, for years this, to come. You've got them, right? These are young guys you're in control of. I mean, it's scary. One right-handed, one left-handed, both hard throwers, both with an array of pitches, guys. You know, the other thing that was interesting in reading the story about uh, from Mark Tompkin about Glass now was sort of how he has learned to channel this energy and and pitch angry. Like he gets himself fired up and gets mad before he throws, <laughs> which is which is odd. But like I wonder like what he uses, you know, just to kind of tick himself off. You know, what if, what if other people had to do that when they went? Well, I know some people that are mad all the time, but like what if he had to like it? You know what? I get fired up to make the donuts today. Go to eat donuts. I've told this story many times before and i'll leave some names out but um, <laughs> oh, in a previous life i i was a program director of radio stations so i managed oh, talent yeah. i've been in many many six six different markets so talent all across the board and there was one host that did a show better when he was upset than if he was in a good mood <laughs> i kid right. you not and so <laughs> if he came in that day and had the a world good, was got good. a good lunch and everything was good or <laughs> If he had a great day in the golf money. course, <laughs> yeah, right. Had a good bet the night before and made some money. That uh-huh. I would come up with something to tell him to tick him off. <laughs> it wasn't anything big. It wasn't anything that was going to ruin his day. <laughs> but just to take that edge off, because he did a better show when he was upset. That's all. <laughs> some people could, that works. Other hosts you couldn't do that to. Other hosts, if they went in the studio mad, would have a bad show. <laughs> Like what, what would be an example of trying to make a guy mad without really it being too egregious? Usually it would be something like, you know, I, and, and I, you know. You, no wife jokes, right? No, be like, no, 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 no. Usually it'd be like something, you know, hey, corporate's thinking about making us do something, you know, on the radio. That or you something. knew you wouldn't want to yeah, do. Some yeah, some promo, some whatever. Some, you know, it was, it was nothing. It was never anything major or big. It wasn't, you know. It was right. just It was just enough to just get him to go, Argh. That's dumb. That's stupid. And, you know, he went to the studio and did a better show. That's all. That's beautiful. You know, it's knowing That's your people. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you got to prime the pump, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get, you got to be that guy. You know, um, you know, all of a sudden you hear, you know, oh, you know, this guy had a great good day in the golf course today. Ah, oh, crap. I got to come up with something. Right, right. <laughs> hey, what a day. I shot 69, you know. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, – it's it's a great strategy, and and some people are motivated that way. I've known I've known guys that will get worked up and not talk to people and like go into a dour mood and just kind of be mad. And you leave them alone, you know. It was always there's been start. I mean, pitchers are different cats anyway. They got five days to think about it, so that's part of the problem. But um, you know, you just some certain guys they just don't want to be most most pitchers don't want to be talked to the day that they're throwing. Like they're just different. There right? are some you, you can't it. look at. Yeah, you can't. They get in the game mode. You don't sit near them. You don't really look at them. You know, and if you pass and then, them in the hall. You're supposed to look away. Uh huh. And then the rest, the, the other four days, are like the greatest guys in the world. They're just joking and laughing, and you know, ah, you know. But then they're pitching that day. Oh, ooh, he's pitching. You know, don't don't talk to him. Um, but that's that's cool. I mean, he, you know, I'd rather have a guy throw angry and be aggressive. I think that's the thing. I think him working himself up to be the angry part is so that he just he just comes out and just like just attacks 
Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a big part of pitching. He talked about the confidence he has right now and how he's just always in attack mode. He's just going to mm-hmm. attack these guys and, and let his stuff play because his stuff is so extraordinary. It's you like uh, Serrano on Major League, you know, when he was in a good mood and everything was good, <laughs> he couldn't hit the curveball. That's right. I can't hit the curveball, man. Until he ticked off Joe Boo. That's right. <laughs> Joe Boo not working. Um, yeah. No, hey, look, there's a lot of there's a lot of things, and we're going to get into this here in just a minute about, about ping pong and other things. In baseball, um, you know, I think that, more than any other sport for whatever reason. Now, there's a lot of superstitious athletes out there, obviously. Tons of them, right? Um, But in baseball especially, like baseball is one of those things. It's like Bull Durham, like Crash Davis said Mm -hmm. when he's talking to to Annie. Well, here's an example. Um, I'll go back to that in a minute. But the Red Sox apparently are undefeated on days when a mariachi band performs in the clubhouse. You know? So the, they'll I be guess having the, a mariachi band every day until they lose. Ev- well, of course. Like, that's a, you know. Because that's going to make you win at Fenway Park, right? That's yeah. not Sweet Caroline they're singing. <laughs> that comes at the end. Yeah, and I just want to go out there and, and, and go to the monster, you know, and hit it wicked far. Did you hear the mariachis? Like, I, but but seriously. If you win, they're playing all year. I'm sorry. And you stay with the streak. You know, it's like Bull Dur- or Crash Davis says to uh, Susan Sarandon. I told him that a player on a streak has to respect the streak. Fine. You know why? Because they don't, they don't happen very often. Why? If you believe you're playing well because you're getting laid or because you're not getting laid or because you wear women's underwear, then you are. And you should know that. Then she realizes, oh, my God, you're right. I'm a, I'm a student of baseball. I do know that. I know there's 108 stitches on a baseball and there's 108 beads on a rosary. You know, it's not an accident. So um, I, I just think that, uh, that 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 is more more true <laughs> of baseball. And now and now the Red Sox are, are exercising that um, as well. So uh, there's going to be a, um, a big series coming up, of course, at the Trop. The good news is it is there is a roof. It doesn't matter what the what the weather will do. They're going to play tonight against the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, which is a pretty good ball club, by the way, mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Yeah, they're doing Not well bad. in the NL West. Actually, the NL West is a pretty tough division, to be honest. It is. You know, the Padres are it much is. improved. The Dodgers, you got the Diamondbacks. The Rockies got off to a really slow start, but they've started heating up. Yeah, so they got them, and then and then the Yankees come to town, the evil empire. So the Yankees are only two games got... back of the Rays. I know. How about that? Although the Rays do have the best record in baseball again. They have the best record, and the Yankees have 4,027 players on the IL, apparently. Yes, that's um, correct. But are still winning, so go figure. They're going to be the ones that are going to be chasing. I think it's, uh, Boston's got to get going a little bit, but um, and, and they'll be back in it. Boston's point, almost but, back to 500 now. Yeah, they're they're too good. Of, I mean, their lineup is too good. They, I, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just you can't keep those guys down. Um, they're going to win some games, and it'll be. It'll come to the end, and uh, we'll see. You know, the one thing I think is important for the Rays, and they kind of stumbled a little bit in this last road trip, and there's a lot of reasons for it, but, you know, they still, like we said, well, they went 5-3. and three. Um, But, and, and Charlie Morton made m- mention of this because, you know, anytime there's a rain delay, they play that uh, one of the many inside the Rays is like Charlie Morton's uh, deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things he said, I've seen it 60,000 times, I should be able to quote it, is um, that, you know, because he's talking about the American League East and how there's, you know, two teams won 100 games last year and, you know, you won 90 and didn't make the playoffs. And his thing was, well, look, you know, you know you, you have to compete against the Yankees and you know how you have to win games against the Red Sox. But if you don't beat up on all the teams you're supposed to beat, absolutely beat up on and win series, like Kansas City, I'm saying, he didn't specifically say this, but like Baltimore, cause if you win – if you win – 50% of those games or 70% of those games. And then the Red Sox, and the Yankees, when they play those teams, they win 80 or 90% of those games. Even if you go, you know, game for game and are dead even with those other two clubs or even win the series, because you didn't do the same job they did against those teams, you're not going to make the playoffs. And that's a good way to look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, you got to assume they're going to they're gonna beat the crap out of the Royals and they're going to beat the crap out of Baltimore. And so you can't be splitting with those teams when they go up there and win all four games, you know. So 
Um, I, I would say that if, you know, there's anything that you would have liked to have done, it, it's, you know, make sure that you take care of business. Um, but they, they did get a split, and it was a good road trip, and 5-3 uh, and three could have been 6-3 and three if they'd have played. So. You would have liked 3 out of 4 from Kansas City. You would have liked 2 out of 3 from Baltimore. Now, Baltimore, right. you didn't get a chance to play the third. And Kansas City was a doubleheader. And the doubleheader, so. which, you you know, if you'd taken one half that doubleheader, you never expect to sweep a doubleheader. But if you take the one half of it, that would have been 3 out of 4. That would have been better. That's true. But you still went 5-3 and three on a road trip. Well, and they need this. When they come home, I think that uh, they should be playing that in the trap, don't you? Uh, absolutely. I mean, whatever it takes yeah. to win. It's beautiful, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> and, uh, they're going to play that uh, Mexican hat dance again there. Uh, I know what they need in the, in the, the Rays locker room to help win. A ping pong What's table. That? <laughs> yeah, I was... It's going to bring that up. Hey, if the ping pong table gets removed, maybe they'll replace it with them. Well, I hear there's one available. <laughs> yeah. Anybody need a ping pong table, folks? Let me tell you, I woke up, and some days I don't know what, what is going to nibble, right? And, and I don't even know why I go on social media, except I have 30,000 followers, and it just seems like I should be accessible to some people sometimes. And so, um, and I love my Twitter family, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's it's the way of the world now. If you're in the newspaper business or uh, any kind of business, you probably have some social media contacts. So when I got up this morning, um, my good friends at Pewter Report, and I like those guys, Mark Cook and Scott Reynolds and uh, Trev and all those guys, um, they do a really good job. And uh, one of them, I think it was probably Scott, I could be wrong, but he might have been in his Sunday column, but he made mention to the fact that uh, he believes that uh, Bruce Arians, B.A., is uh, has has removed the ping pong tables and uh, what was at one point a, a miniature basketball hoop uh, from the locker room, and to which uh, it is it is said to to never return as long as he's there anyway. I we knew and we we documented that they turned off the music during practice at least when they were in the uh, the mini camp phase of things prior to the draft, so they they didn't have the. You know, and which is a shame, by the way. If anybody wants some giant speakers, I mean, really good sound equipment, like about the size of a refrigerator, yeah, the Bucks invested in that other than the last regime, and I don't think they have much <laughs> use for it right now. Like you could do a whole outdoor concert with these things, man. It's unbelievable how loud they are. But apparently, they're going in. They're going into mothballs. I don't know where they store them, but they're maybe not they're be putting them on out. let go, and they're available for sale with the pool table. Well, I, th- I think there's going. If you go on Craigslist right now. You can get Buccaneer speakers and pool table on sale as a package deal. And we'll throw in this beautiful miniature basketball hoop all for you. Maybe they took it to Goodwill where Dirk Cutter dropped off his apparel. (laughs) Exactly. It's part of the fire sale. And when we mean fire sale, we fire everybody here at One Buck Place. Um, So, yeah, okay. So so this got a reaction, you know, uh, people on Twitter uh, sort of – Weighing in on what they thought. No, not the mariachi band. <laughs> what they thought. <laughs> I'm telling you, these guys won't go away. Uh, what they thought about the whole, you know, ping pong table thing. And I went back and forth, sort of like I was the ball. You know what I mean? We, they hit me over the net all morning long and then into the evening, as it appears. And, you know, s- some of these people, I don't know. I understand. First of all, I understand the psychology of fans. You know, fans are just, they just, they're tired of losing, you know, especially here in Tampa. And I've said this a million times, like it's really unfair that these, this fan base in Tampa has had to endure, and that's a kind word, endure 11 seasons of, of no, no playoffs. I mean, the, the playoffs are, that's why you play the game. You play to get into the tournament and your fans then can enjoy, you know, that their team is the only one playing at that time and and maybe even that day. And uh, with the, with a chance to win it all, with a chance to to go to the Super Bowl, right? Uh, and and this this town has not experienced that in in a, almost a generation. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous, you know. And they haven't won a playoff game in over twenty years since they won the Super Bowl, folks. That was a long time ago, and I and it's awful and it's unacceptable. And they've had a, a ton of coaches since then, and several GMs, and God knows how many players. And so I get why people are looking for reasons. Um, you know, to to try to figure out, well, you know, what's the reason for this team continues to lose? Well, along comes Bruce Arians, and Bruce Arians has remember now he coached with Bear Bryant, so he's been around a minute. Uh, 
And he, if you had to say something, he, he's the coolest cat in the NFL. There's no doubt about that with the Kango hat and all that. He's, a, he's 66 and sexy, as he likes to say. But by the same token, he's a little old school. I mean, like, you know, he's got new ideas on offense and everything, but he was around back in the day when they denied water, let's not forget. So, and I'm not suggesting now he's into sports science and all that, and so we've, we've all come a long way, and so is Bruce. My point is, is that uh, it was referenced today on my Twitter feed that, um, you know, another outlet that covers the Bucks thinks that losing the ping pong table, and this is from Harlan Meeker pointed this out, losing the ping pong table is a good thing. Players would rush in to play after practice. First of all, it wasn't after practice. It was actually before practice for the most part, but that's neither here nor there. The best ones are gone now, as uh, as he said. If they want to shoot hoops and play ping pong, they can do it away from the facility. Okay. Let's dive into this. Um, first of all, there are other teams that play ping pong and basketball and make it part of their culture. You know, you're going to hear the word culture because every coach that comes in says, I got to change. We got to establish a culture. I have to change the culture. What is the culture of this club? My job is to, and I mean, that's universal with college, pro, whatever. Everybody mentions the word culture like it's something in a Petri ditch, right, that you got you to gotta mix up. Um, I've always said this, winning, you know, what, you know what changes the culture? Winning. Winning begets winning, okay? Now, are there certain things you have to do and do them the same way, the right way, all the time? You want to do things right. That, that, that helps you win. Um, but, but really, it, you know, it's really about winning, beginning culture. So with respect to the ping pong tables, I mean, Pete Carroll brought ping pong tables, had guys compete in one-on-one basketball, and they had compete Thursdays and all this stuff. And everybody was like, wow, Pete Carroll, man. And he's, believe me, Pete's like the oldest coach in the league right now. Uh, I believe he's 70 years old. And, you know, and the Seahawks went to two Super Bowls and won one of them. And everyone's like, well, wait a minute. Wow, that's pretty cool. And Pete Carroll, he's got it figured out. You know, these guys are having fun. Uh, they're loose. It's not all drudgery. They, they, they compete at everything. It raises the level in practice. It's it's just it's genius. It's fantastic. Why didn't we think of this? And so you started seeing more ping pong tables pop up in different places. It's a little like Chip Kelly, you know, when he had his success in Philadelphia for a couple of years. Um, you know, he was playing all this music. You know, there's music blaring all the time. Well, you know, the millennials they they like to do more. They like to multitask and it gets them going. And you know, and and if there's a little bit of a distraction, then they have to zero in like crowd noise. Uh, you know, might distract them. They have to zero in on their assignments and be able to execute, you know, with this other sort of uh, thing competing for their attention. So it was it was genius. And, you know, all that matters really is if you win or lose, apparently, uh, to the perception of that. But but the fans here in Tampa seem to think that because B.A. is getting rid of the ping pong tables and the basketball hoops, that finally these guys are going to get it. You know, they, they finally are going to have some discipline for a change. And I think the whole thing is hooey. I really do. I, I, I've been in there, first of all, since I'm in there, you know, during the day. And when I say during the day, we get 45 total minutes. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Media time that we can ever even go in the locker room. So that's all we know, 45 minutes. We're not there the rest of the day. We have no idea what happens. You know, they, they could have a disco ball, right? And, and you know, any, they could do anything they want. We're not in there, so we don't know. But during the time that we're in there, okay, that's also the same time, by the way, when the players have to eat their lunch, which is down the hall, by the way, in the cafeteria. Uh, they also have to get their treatment. Maybe they need their, their ankles taped. Maybe they have an injury. Maybe they're going to go in the hot tub. Maybe they're going to take a shower before practice after the walkthrough. They also do that during that time. 
and, and I mean, they do. They have to get their uniform and get get ready for practice because when the media session ends, essentially, they have to walk out um, and you know begin stretching and and special teams and all of that. So there's no. My point is, is that there's in, there's very little time to do anything, much less you know have a round robin ping pong tournament. Do a few players play during that? grand 45 minutes of time which by the way even the guys who play they still have to get dressed too okay so they can't all play the entire 45 minute period but it, are there guys playing ping pong when we're in there yes are they you know are they the star players not necessarily um is it the same guys primarily yeah uh my, you know and so you know, I don't remember seeing Jameis grabbing a paddle except when he wasn't starting one day. Um, you know, he was he was benched for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, I I don't see a lot of uh, uh, you know, uh, and for that matter, you know, even if you see the same guys, they they're not sitting there dominating the table and saying, "Well, I got next." You know, like there isn't a line of there isn't a sign up for the ping pong. They just can't play that long to begin with. And then you do some guys grab miniature hoops. Yeah, you know who shot the most probably. Jack Quiz Rogers, right? He's like he was like a ten-year veteran, third-down running back, nicest guy in the world. Never missed an assignment. Didn't miss a blocking assignment. Caught the ball well. Performed pretty well. Anytime he was called upon, Dirk Cutter trusted him with his kids if he if he had to. Okay, so um, you know, again, these guys are human beings, and you know, for all of us that have jobs, right? And I'm as dedicated to my job as is is I'm sure. Everybody listening is to theirs. But you know what? There comes a time where no matter how hard I'm working, you know, I got to eat lunch or I've got to look at my phone and make a couple calls or I've got to do something other than focus on what my task at, at hand is that that very day. You know, you have a life. You have other things in life that, that compete for your time. And it's just silly to me for people to think that here's 11 years 11 years, and by the way, not all 11 years was that ping pong table there. But here's 11 years of losing or of not making the postseason, only two winning seasons, and a ping pong table and a basketball hoop are going to be the things that, that fans are going to single out as the culprit. And, I'm, and they're not suggesting it's the sole reason. They think it's a symptom of a bigger problem, which is these guys don't care. They're not professional. They're spending too much time. We want them all to sit there. First of all, you're never going to get 53 guys to sit there holding hands, okay, with their playbooks in front of them, and 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 frankly, that's not what they're in there for anyway. They're in there to be interviewed, to be actually to be to be truthful with you. That's the only media time we have. You know, to me, even though you're talking about football, I'm not sure it's going to make you better at your job if I'm asking you questions about a quarterback and you're a wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? If you're having to stand there and and, and answer questions. But it's part of their jobs. They do it. They do it willingly. They, for the most part, most guys cooperate. Some guys don't even come in the locker room because they know the media is there. Okay? Some of them might be in the players' lounge playing video games because that's where they have the arcade. We don't get to go in there. They have a pool table. We don't get to go in there. Oh, by the way, they haven't taken the pool table out or the arcade. All right? So just so the fact and, and the other thing I don't know, and I truly don't know this, maybe maybe the guys at, at Peter Report do like they've taken that ping pong table out for, you know, this time of year before. And the reason is they have 90 players. This is not a 53 man locker room. So they add lockers sometimes to to the locker room. and It gets very crowded in there. So so maybe at this time they don't feel the need, you know, and they're not in there all that much anyway because it's phase two. They don't feel the need to, to have that stuff in there. Let's see what happens during the regular season. But whether it's there or it's not there, here, here's what I know about football. To win, you have to draft and develop players. Okay? You have to draft and develop players. You need some continuity of coaching staff because if you don't have it, if you change the coach enough, then the players you drafted don't fit the next system, and so you've rendered certain drafts they're just losses, okay? And you, can't, you cannot compete in a system that's set up for competitive balance if you work against that system by having turnover in the coaching staff all the time, which last time I checked, that's the Bucks. And also, the quarterback's kind of a big deal in football. That's what I know. 
I don't know much more, but I know that much. So where ping pong and basketball hoops fits in that whole equation, they got 99 problems, and those aren't one, okay? Truly, those aren't one. And, and you know, the, and first, and the other thing, I'll, just, I'll wrap it up on this, Stephen. I want your thoughts. But the other thing is this, that, okay, so a guy grabs a paddle and plays for 10 minutes of a 45-minute media period. Because, by the way, nobody stays out there for 45 minutes saying, I got next, right? So it's just maybe one guy. And, and you know, usually it's the long snapper, the punter, something like that. But regardless, so he, he plays 10 minutes ping pong, all right? Is that worse than several of the players I know who play Fortnite until 2 o'clock in the morning? Is it? When they come in sleepy, groggy, or the guy that goes out to the club, you know, on Thursday night, stays a little too long, and then on Friday, you know, he's not feeling so good during the walkthrough. Is it better? Is that better? Because that happens every day, okay? And that's about their off field, but that's their time, right? That's their time. Well, this is their time too, only they only get 30 minutes, much like people at work get 30 minutes. Um, one person raised this, and I thought it was a good point. I know it's a different industry, but I mean, last time I checked, Google was doing okay. You ever seen their facility out there? What they built? Mm-hmm. It's like Disney World. You know, they want people to never leave work. They got their food ready for them. They've got games galore. They have quiet spaces. They have meditation. They have pretty much any any toy you can imagine. Because they want people to stay and, and it be a happy place where they can get the most creativity and productivity out of them. And, you know, they have places where they can go and, and, and contact their loved ones on the cell phone and so on and so forth. But see, you I just mean, hit it a, right on the head right there. Uh, see, what? this is much simpler than people are making it out to be. Bruce Arians has said he doesn't want his coaches staying there till 1 a.m. in the morning. If you're staying that late, you're not doing your job right. That's they true. want Jameis Winston to leave the facility more often. They don't want him there all the time. In the offseason. Well, in the offseason. But, but what I'm saying is, is by taking that stuff away, maybe Bruce Arians wants his players to go home, have a life, do stuff at home. But they so, can't go home because this is the well, period where that, I mean, that 45 we're talking minutes, about. They're, they're, they're there for you're, 45 you're, you're minutes about between that, meetings that and that lunch. Does, that doesn't mean they're not playing on the pool table after you're out of the room. After practice, before practice, thing. I mean, you only see it for forty-five. Minutes. That is, bef- no, that is before well, okay, practice. But, That's my point. Before the, it's I mean, open I don't know to, what they do after. I'm they gotta say, go to before, meetings. before it's open to the media. Maybe they're in there playing too. I mean, no, I'm, I'm not, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's the reason for it. I'm saying everything no Bruce Arians, because everything they, Bruce they, Arians they come, has said is about this shouldn't be your whole life. Coaches but, need to get, get out of the facility. Yeah, Players no, I'm not disagreeing to. with that. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying that that. That, I, I, that maybe removing it's just a – and that's for 45 minutes during interview time, but, and maybe there's other things they're removing from the players' lounge we don't know about either. What I'm yeah, saying well, is, I, is I mean, it, 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 it's not a big deal to me personally. I mean, pool table or not, it, that's not the reason – or ping pong table. It's, it's not, not the why they're losing. It's and, not, and, it has nothing to do with and, winning or losing. In some cultures, having a ping pong table is a good thing. In other cultures of work, it's bad. And it all depends on the players and leaders and the, the people, whether it actually can be a deterrent you or know not it, or you know a positive. It de- you know, it, it, it doesn't depend on that. It just depends on the freaking results. I mean, if they win, sure. it's a great thing. If they lose, it's a distraction. I mean, it's the same. This goes back to the same coaching thing that I've talked about a million times. You know what? When Tony Dungy was winning with his arms folded, not talking on the sidelines, kind of staying there, staring in his face, you know, looking very calm and cool, he was cerebral. He, his teams were in control. They didn't panic. They were poised. Look at the poise. Boy, they don't beat themselves. They don't jump off sides. Well, look who leads them. This guy has it together. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't blink. Nothing changes. Up by 20, down by 20. Man, this team, let me tell you, they're a reflection of their head coach. As soon as he loses, they got no fire. Look at him standing over there with his arms folded. <laughs> Jesus, no wonder they lose. That team is comatose. They're just like their head coach. They have no fire. Okay? And then you'll have a guy like Bill Parcells. Just dog cussing everybody, right? Just going after him. And he's in their face. 
and he's grabbing guys by the face mask. And boy, you you know what? You better you get your what the hell are you doing? Look at Bill Parcells. He's winning Super Bowls. Man, his teams are tough. He's in control. Boy, his guys, let me tell you, he says jump. They say how high. They don't want to met they do not want to disappoint their coach. They are scared of him, and they are, he has scared them into winning. They are not going to lose. Well, look at them. They're, they're crazed. They're just like he is. Look at the intensity. It's unbelievable. It's all over his face. As soon as Greg Schiano shows up <laughs> at one buck place, then they hire him because he's a, because what? He's disciplined. He's tough. He don't take any crap. Toes on the line, blowing the whistle. Right? Everybody's like, whoa, whoa, hey. Discipline. That's what this team needs. They need them some Greg Schiano. They need discipline. They had Raheem Morris. It's like a freaking carnival in here. We got a guy. Boy, he's going he's gonna to whip them into shape. You watch. Right? Not taking a kneel down. No, 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 no. That's old school. That's, that's the NFL. I'm from college. Watch what we did at Rutgers. We're going after Eli Manning on fourth down when the game's over. And they're taking a knee. We don't care. New rules. New sheriff in town. We're going to whip this team into shape. As soon as they start losing, guy's a maniac. Good Lord, there's Mercer in the building. Josh Freeman staying up all night. You know, they got the inactive suites. What the hell's going on? He's out of control. He's a crazy man. They hired a crazy man from Rutgers, right? Not a damn thing different. You know what was different? Winning or losing. That's it, folks. You win, and then everybody loves what you do. You lose, it's got to be those damn ping pong tables. And it really doesn't matter. If B.A. wants him, that's fine. If he doesn't, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. You have to be who you are, okay? You have to be B.A. And if you say, what are these doing here? I don't want these here. Then they go. And then the next guy could come back and say, hey, where's the ping pong table? And then it could say, it doesn't matter. Win some damn games, okay? And, and I don't care what people want to, what rock you want to look under. Folks, the NFL has not changed in this sense. You have to have talent. And they have to learn how to play together. And the talent has to fist the system. And you need a quarterback. You need a dynamic player under center. And he has to be the guy that leads them. And, you know, you need balance. you got to have a defense. you got to have an offense. All those things are the same. You can't turn the ball over. Most teams lose games because they make more mistakes. They, they, they beat themselves. More games are lost because you beat themselves than the team that beat you. Ah, but the good teams, the good teams, they'll take advantage of those mistakes. And you know what else? They don't make them to, to beat themselves. They don't beat themselves. They don't jump off sides. They don't drop passes. They don't throw interceptions. They don't blow assignments. They don't get guys sacked. You know what I mean? They don't beat themselves. They're the good teams. It's details. It's all that. You know, it's continuity. It's, it's having players that stick around more than two or three years before you have to change coaches and they no longer fit your scheme, you know? So, you know, all this noise about ping pong tables and basketball hoops, people, you're grasping at straws in my opinion. And I don't, like I said, I don't care either way. I just assume they not be there because you know what we hear during interviews? Well, that's still like, better that's than it. your typing. <laughs> that's true. However, what are you talking about? Ping pong tables, man. Are you kidding me? Jiminy Christmas. Ping pong tables. Basketball hoops. What the hell are we playing in there? Wish I had a guy that wanted to play some ping pong. I'm telling you, man. I, I, it was a great debate, but folks, you lose. I, I'm declaring myself the victor here. I know it sounds arrogant, but I've just done this too long. I'm telling you, I watched the team, and, and people, this will, they'll say this is going against my argument, but, like, I watched a team that didn't have a lunchroom. You know what I mean? Like, they ate at their locker over at the barn, over at the, over at the woodshed, you know? They had weights outside. I'm telling you, that team, you could have moved that team into one back buck palace with the 10,000-square-foot weight room air-conditioned and with the giant meeting room, ping-pong tables. Hell, you could have had – I'll tell you what, man. You could have had a 
freaking nightclub in there. You could add a disco. You could add gambling. You could add uh, all the vices you can think of. We just still won the Super Bowl, man, because those guys were just that good. When it came when it came to one o'clock on Sunday, I don't know how they did it. They got well. Actually, I do know how they did it. Like if you knew the habits of some of those guys, you'd say, "Hell, is there any way we can get a ping pong table in here to keep these guys from doing what they're doing on their time off?" <laughs> you know why they put all these? By the way, and this is not a this is not unlike Google. You know what players do when they have free time? They don't always do the right thing. You want what? distractions? You want distraction? Go down on Dale Mabry. I'll show you some distractions. I knew guys that, that would spend most of their time there, like when they weren't at the facility. They want guys to stick around in that facility because they think maybe the atmosphere, the camaraderie. What about team building? Hmm? What about that? What about you play a game of ping pong and you might have a conversation about, oh, I don't know. What are you doing tonight, Joe? Let's go have dinner. Okay, we'll become closer. We'll become friends. And now I want to I wanna play hard for you because you line up next to me. Why do, why do guys, you know, offensive linemen dine out every Thursday night? It's the, it's the closest group. You'll never see an offensive lineman by himself. He's always with the other offensive linemen. They don't walk around with receivers, by the way. Occasionally a quarterback or a tight end, but not, you know, Offensive Sometimes they're running backs. Off. Sometimes the running backs. Somet- oh, the running backs usually take them out. Yeah, yes. they're smart. The running backs can be adopted, absolutely. They can be part of it, too, if they pay, especially. They love running backs to pay. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like, it's like you don't catch the, the, you know, the straggling antelope you know, because he's not with the rest of the herd. No, the offensive linemen are always together, and that's called camaraderie. Well, you know. There's a little bit of team building that goes on in the locker room when they're playing ping pong. I'm just saying. It's kind of cool to watch sometimes. You got two guys that don't really know each other all that well, but then they cut it up on the ping pong course or the ping pong tables. Next thing you know, Joe needs a little help with his playbook. Hey, come on over here. I play ping pong with you. I know you now. You know, where are you from? Hey, I'll help you with this formation. You know, I mean, that's all part of it. It really is. So, you know, Bruce Arians can deny, deny the ping pong tables. He can, hell, he can deny them water. That, they used to do that back in Bear Bryant's day. You know, was that a good idea? He was a crazy person, that Bear Bryant. He was absolutely crazy denying those guys water. But he won. So he was the bear. And the Junction boys and all of that, you know, they're, they're legendary now. Right, but we know you shouldn't deny people water. You can't deny a man water. That's not a good idea. Boy, he's got to earn that water. One person said on my timeline, "You know what? They need to earn those ping pong tables back." I tell you what, you uh, you scored thirty points this week, man. I'm gonna buy you all new paddles. How's that? You know, like <laughs> really, it's a carrot now. Freaking ping pong. I don't know. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed my explanation because I was, man, I got a lot. I could do days of reasons why the Bucks haven't won. We would be here a long time before I get to ping pong tables or basketball hoops. Just saying. Well, should we talk about why maximum security didn't win? Yes. Yes. Let's do that. Um, the most exciting two minutes, and it turns out 20 seconds in sports. <laughs> It turned out or to be 20, 25 two, two minutes. minutes. 25 minutes in sports, as it turns Yeah. Um, first of all, I thought they were going to cancel the damn thing. Pretty soon, horses are going to know how to swim. I'm sure of this because I saw the Kentucky Derby on Saturday, and they damn near needed flippers to get around that track. I mean, that was one wet track. And I think it's pretty remarkable that you're going to, you know, put those thoroughbreds out there and they, you know, they're all worth millions and multi-millions if they win the damn thing. Um, and, and they're fragile little legs and then, you know, put them out there in the, in, in the, uh, in the quagmire, in the pudding or whatever. It was nasty. The conditions were horrible. And, uh, if you didn't see the race by now, you probably heard about it. Everybody's weighing in, including the president that, uh, you know, you, you, you had, coming around the final turn as they went down the stand down the stretch they come and you had a little collision you had you had one horse which uh looked like the winner right um start to drift over and drift is probably a good word probably got caught in the current quite frankly 
you know, probably a little like splash of water was dragging him back out to sea. And he kind of cut off some of the other mounting, some of the other horses that were mounting a charge. And they were very fortunate that they all didn't end up in a heap and had to destroy half of them because they were all bunched up. But they, you know, they reviewed this thing, which we're now we're used to everything being reviewed, and especially now Kentucky Derbies. And for the first time in the history of the sport, right? Or the first time in the history race, of the Derby. For the Derby, yes. Yeah, the Derby. They they reversed the winner and basically you know, it, within an instant, millions of dollars change hands. But what do you think of the call? We haven't discussed I, I, this, so I don't know what you no, actually think I, of this. Here's what I thought. I, I think the letter of the law, so to speak, like what they say is that you, you can't, I guess, impede the progress or uh, uh, whatever the, the terms are sort of of another of another of a horse you know, that is sort of behind you. I mean, they don't want – they don't want horses like cutting other horses off at the pass, right? That would be a, that would be a, a calamity if that happened often. Now there is there is a a, a you know a for lack of a better term a driver of the horse, the jockey, mm-hmm. right? That's supposed to control the animal and does so for the most part, I guess. Otherwise, I, I would imagine they'd all still run around the track, but I don't know how how orderly that might be. But I think this that. Given the conditions of the uh, of the track, and they decided to run those horses in those conditions, the horse that wa- that was going to win and then essentially got disqualified was Maximum Security. Now, I don't think that Maximum Security necessarily, you know, had any uh, evil intent. I I merely think they they don't have eyes in the back of their head. So I I merely think that that you know it was just trying to run in in a in a place that was secure and sort of drifted more towards the middle of the track off the rail but there was no malicious intent now again it could have been catastrophic it wasn't it probably did slow the other horses to some degree but you know as they say in NASCAR that's just racing man you know i i was stunned i was really surprised again they applied the letter of the law this Maximus Security, by the way, was clearly the best horse on the field mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. Ran the best race, almost led the entire way. I didn't see any mud on the jockey. That's how good it was. So, it, it, you know, if, if you're just saying, well, who who had the best day, it was clearly Maximum Security, who then won by a length or so. But, again, without explanation, they didn't face any media. They didn't talk to any um, owners for an explanation. They just merely reviewed the replay for like 20 minutes, by the way. 150,000-something people just on pins and needles, including guys like Tom Brady and others that were there. But, you know, they overturned it. It was stunning. And then even more stunning was that the horse that wound up winning was a 60, what was he, a 60 to 1? 65 to Something? 1. 65 to 1. You talk about money changing hands. There was a story that a bunch of people after the race, of course, the race is over, you see maximum security win. Now it says unofficially, you know, but how many they, you know, how many times they're going to change that? Henry, let's go. You know, it's like, wait, wait, it says unofficial. Oh, come on. You know, in the history of the Kentucky Derby, they never changed the order of the race. There's the horse that won. I saw it with my own eyes. Let's go. You drop the tickets on the floor, right? And then you find out that your 65 <laughs> to 1 guy came in and you're scrambling for those tickets. Just all kinds of weird stuff probably happened. I'm sure there's stories about the millions and millions and millions of dollars that uh, it cost betters. Here's the thing. They could. Here's the thing to me. Kudos mm-hmm. to the stewards. They got it right. Because <laughs> oh, we talk God, about we... we talked about in hockey all the time. If it's a Instant penalty, replay? if it's a penalty at Tampa Downs on some Tuesday <laughs> afternoon race, it, then, it's, then a it's a penalty, penalty at the Kentucky at the Derby. Kentucky Derby. <clears throat> That's right. By the, by the what the rule is <laughs> is you cannot impede a horse's progress like that, and that's exactly what he did, whether intent or not. Doesn't matter what your intent is on a penalty. You committed a foul according to the rules, and they called it. Can I ask you how the how is the animal supposed to know the rule? Did somebody explain that to the animal? No, the jockey is. And the jockey is supposed to keep your horse in a straight line. Well, that's easier said than done. Sure, but that's why they get paid and down the stretch of the Kentucky that's why, Derby. That's why you and I aren't jockeys on a horse. <laughs> well, there's a lot of reasons why you and I aren't jockeys. <laughs> I mean, my 220 pounds. Let's go there. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, if we're you know if you're going to apply it equally across the spectrum of sport, I kind of get that. If, if the rule's the rule, then you have to uphold it, whether it's Game Seven of the Stanley Cup or the first game of the season, whether it's a 
Wednesday afternoon race at name your racetrack or the Kentucky. So Derby. you're 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 saying like the the fifth race on Tuesday at Santa Anita it needs to be called like the Kentucky Derby. Well, it, the rules the rule. I mean, that's what we complain about in the NBA or the NHL or the NFL. I just don't think you can. I, I know. I and I think we're asking a little too much of this jockey in those conditions that you know you must control your control your horse. I mean, he it wasn't like. Look, it wasn't like he went across 12 horses, you know, from the inside rail all the way to the other rail. No, but this he, horse he cut made... off three horses that were coming after him. And, well, and but well, well, you know what? You know what? Then then come a little sooner and be next to him so he can see you. But, but I the, mean, the, the, rule, the... the rule says you got to run in a straight line. He did not. I just think it's unrealistic. These animals have four feet. They can't run in straight lines. I mean, they're, they're truly. I mean, they couldn't walk sure. one. Well, then change the rule. Well, then... Or consider that it, he was the best horse that day, and there's a hundred, and and he won the race. So, so I mean, you I, you want you want horse races to become a judgment call now? Because if it was no. a horse that was leading, because at that's the what point, they, <laughs> but that's what they just did. But if it was that's a horse that was did. leading at the point, but wasn't necessarily the best horse that day, okay, go ahead and call the foul. But he was clearly yeah. the best horse, so don't call it. But he was. He was the best horse. We saw we saw who won the race. And the Lightning were the best team in hockey this year, and they got swept out in four games. I mean, but they didn't. But they didn't win the games. He won the race. They didn't say, "Hey, Columbus, you know what? I think you committed no, a foul, they, and therefore we're gonna we're gonna make the Lightning the winner." Well, but they didn't call. Even though they, they had no even power though they place, lost, had no power. They lost all four three, games, even missing. Yeah, but that's an calls. that's but just an element. But no, that's an element of those games. I, that's not the I, entire I, game. I completely agree. What I'm saying is, is you don't want the stewards to become a judgment of. Well, he was the most dominant horse, so don't call the foul. It's either a foul or it isn't, and they called it. Yeah, they did call it. You're right about that. I mean, I don't. I'd rather see the race run cleanly and not have this. And I, quite frankly, I didn't, know, didn't know this was possible. To be honest, I'm not a big horse <laughs> well, right. racing aficionado. I, I know. I bet you most Americans that watch, that just turned on the uh, you know the most exciting two minutes in sports probably realized or did not realize that this had never happened before, and God forbid it ever happens again. But most people just thought they're you know if you didn't have the sound on. You didn't even know what happened. How many than, people turned you know, it off after it was over and didn't realize oh, that they they have no idea who won? Like I said, hey, hey, Mabel, did did you keep that ticket for uh, the second place horse? <laughs> Why, honey? He lost. Well, um, turns out they changed the results. Yeah, we would have won. Oh, I don't know. What did it pay to win? Like something like one hundred and seventy dollars to win, or something like that. About one thirty-two. One thirty-two. I mean, jeez. And change. Yeah, and if you had that baby boxed up at sixty-five to one with something Ooh. else, yeah, you went home with a lot of money. But you know, there's going to be some... the biggest underdog winner of the Derby since Donnerail in one. nineteen to thirteen and nineteen thirteen. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? In nineteen thirteen, I guarantee you, he could have cut off every horse and they wouldn't have called it. You know why? Because they didn't have freaking <laughs> replay. replay. That's what I'm saying. Like, how many horses have been doing this for for the advent of time, you know? But now that they have replay, you know, everything is slow-mo. Dun, 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 dun. So, yeah, I I don't know. I thought – now, you know, truth be told, I had the winning horse. So, I was – I didn't bet at on the, you know, on the derby or anything as far as, like, real betting. Um, so, I, I kind of thought he got hosed. But – you know, it was kind of interesting. the the uh, The owner of the horse that won, um, you know, basically was kind of like, "Well, you know, it's going to be controversial, but we'll take it." So, in other words, you, <laughs> well, you, you think you think that rule is like the tuck rule? Well, they applied it properly. Bit. You don't like the rule. <laughs> you know what? I wonder if John Gruden had that horse. <laughs> that would have been the only thing if, if uh, John John was like, "You got to be kidding me, man!" First, the tuck rule. Now, I, he did what? You cut them off, and that that's the idea, right? You're supposed to beat the yeah. other horse so what any we, way you can. What we learned is horse racing is not NASCAR. <laughs> no, you, don't you spray? You're supposed to scrape scrape paint, right? Rubbing his racing. That what you, that's right. You ain't cheating if you ain't you ain't trying if you ain't cheating. Something like that. I mean, um, you're supposed to scrape thoroughbreds or whatever. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think we're we're trying to give these jockeys a little too much. I mean, after all. I know he's got a whip or some facsimile of thereof on in his hand, but I don't think I don't think a couple ton horse or whatever they weigh um, is going to be very intimidated by a, you know, an eighty five pound jockey at thirty miles an hour in a muddy track. Like he's like, yeah, man, 
I'm going to run up against this rail. Sure. You see that mud down there? I'm going over here where it's a little drier. Sorry, pal. You can go to the whip if you want to. You know, I got four little spindly legs, and if I break one of these, we're all going down. They're going to shoot me. You're going to have a job tomorrow. You know, if I'm the, if I'm the horse, I'm like, hey, man, sorry. This might be on you, but you know what? I got to eat oats and, and make babies. Sorry. I'm out. You know, uh, it's just the way I feel about it. But <laughs> let's blame the jockey. You know, it's his fault. You got to keep the horse in line. Okay. Okay, big guy. You go down the stretch at 30 miles an hour on an animal, okay, who doesn't want to run in the mud any longer and tell tell him that it's my it's my problem. What am I supposed to do exactly? Seriously, what could he do in that situation? I don't know. I just think it's a lot to ask. But that's the way it went down. Interesting, interesting uh, Kentucky Derby, though, really was. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We've got uh, the Rays continuing uh, their dominance of the American League, and they're going to open a series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. It'll be pitch-tipping Blake Snell on the mound for the Rays. Hopefully he'll do a better job of that if, in fact, that was even the case. But uh, Snell will try to get back on track against a pretty good Diamondbacks team. And the Bucks are now preparing for their rookie mini camp. It starts on Friday. The rookies will be pouring into town here in the next few days. They'll uh, check into a hotel. They'll have some meetings. They'll get a playbook. And they'll get to play ping pong, I think, um, something like that at one buck place. we got lots of stories online at TampaBay.com. Make sure you check that out. Of course, all the coaches from last week. We've got lots of uh, interesting things. I did a story over the weekend on the Bucks' uh, defense and sort of what the – major tenants of that is under Todd Bowles. You want to check that out on tampabay.com. And then one other thing, if uh, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, we'd love for you to be able to do that. we got lots of new ways you can. If you want information, just contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can contact me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, we'll probably do a mailbag sometime here soon. Uh, we'd love to do that as well. You can ask us questions anytime especially about uh, things like ping pong and basketball. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. For Steve Bursting, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food, and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.